This morning's scripture lesson comes from 1 Corinthians 13, and it is the New Living Translation. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thank you, Ed Burt, for that reading of our passage this morning. And just want to reiterate how amazing it is to celebrate moments like these as we anticipate what God has in store for each and every one of us this morning. And if you've been with us since the beginning of the year, we've been on this journey. We spent time in the month of January encouraging each of you to move forward, to take that next step of faith that God is calling you to make. And so whether you're exploring the faith, whether you're new to the faith or growing, there's something that we can all do in response to what God is doing in our lives. And so last week when we ended that series in January, we talked about love. First John talked about how God is love. And God models love through Jesus. And so we get to see evidence. We get to see fruit of God's love by example. God's love became real to us through Jesus and through the saving work that Jesus does for each and every one of us. And so because of who Jesus is and, and what Jesus models for us, it, it teaches us that God's love is real. And it also teaches us that God's love is meant to be shared. And so as vessels of God's love, 
through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, each of us within our faith community, our church, each one of you are made to share. And so our passage this morning, it really primes us for this idea and how we're going to continue to unpack this idea through the rest of the month. It primes us for that conversation because it teaches us more about what love is, what love isn't, what love is supposed to do, and how we can grow in it. And so what, what really stands out to me as I read this passage are really those first three verses. Because what it does is it highlights what's at stake. Because even the good, well-intended people of God, we can run the danger of missing the point. And so just prior to this passage in chapter 12, Paul is spending a significant amount of time and energy teaching the early church in Corinth who this letter is addressed to, and he's talking to them about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are what God gives us through the power of the Holy Spirit to do one thing. Chapter 12, verse 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help one another. But what Paul is responding to, the reason that he has to teach this lesson is because the, the people are already beginning to draw lines between themselves. They begin ranking the, the gifts Whoever has this gift is better than this person who has that gift. This gift represents God more closely or, or this gift is more esteemed. But what Paul is saying is that you're missing the point here. All of these gifts, they came from the same source. So if that's true, one gift is not any better than another. They all have the same they also have the same purpose because they come from the same source. It's together. It's when all of these gifts come together and they serve the same purpose. There's equality and there's unity with the spiritual gifts that each of us receive, that each of us are called to share. And so this is helpful for us. When we hear the, the words from, from Paul in chapter 13 as he continues teaching and he's expanding on this purpose and he's underscoring the role of the church. Paul starts teaching about love. He starts teaching about what love is. He starts teaching about what love isn't. He starts teaching about what love is supposed to do and how we can begin to grow in it. I think Paul actually points out something really critical. You see, he's naming all these wonderful gifts at the beginning of our passage. All these amazing, wonderful things. Things that are esteemed, things that, that we should even desire, things that we should pursue. But if we don't recognize the source and the purpose of these gifts. That they must be fueled and motivated by love. They must be fueled and motivated by God. Then we're told it becomes absolutely meaningless, purposeless, 
And so we, what we learn is that love, God's love, is what fuels our service to each other. But it also helps us serve the people in our community. Love is an indicator of who we are serving. So as Paul says, if I don't do all of these wonderful things with love, then it indicates that what I'm doing, that what we're doing, or at least what we thought we were doing, doesn't actually serve the purpose that it was intended to serve. What happens is instead of serving God and others, we actually end up selfishly serving ourselves, putting ourselves above each other based on the gifts that God has given us. And this is what's at stake. If we don't do it with love, we don't do it with God. If we don't do it with love, we don't do it with God. And so everything we do as a church Everything we want to do, we want to do with God and for God and for others. And so we don't want to miss the point. We want to serve in such a way that we align ourselves with the proper purpose of the church and do everything with God's heart and with God's love. Love is what holds each of us together. And without it, everything falls apart because of God's love and how it fuels the, the ministry that we are called to together. It makes us better. We are better as we grow in God's love and share God's love. That's what it means to be the church. As the church, we are made to share we're made to share this great love and this great purpose of connecting our community to Jesus Christ to transform lives. I want to invite Alinda to, to come and, and continue uh, with her reflections on this passage. And so, Alinda, what can this passage, these verses, teach us about God, about each other, and about how we can be better together? Well, I'm so grateful that we get to work together in this place and to share the word of God each week. In the 12th chapter of Corinthians, Paul does speak about all of these gifts. And he's also talking to the Corinthians about some, the, some, some divisions that were going on in the life of the church. Because some people were saying this was a better gift than that and that was a better gift. And he said they're all important. But they're all important as you share God's love and as these gifts are used for the growing of the body and the sharing of my love. In fact, at the end of the 12th chapter, it says, let me show you a more excellent way to share your gifts. Then he goes into the passage about what love looks like. Let me show you a more excellent way. The word there in Greek is hodos. Let me show you a more excellent path, the way, the journey, the venture that we are on together as the body of Christ to show the way, to invite people to come along with us on the journey 
to grow in our relationship with God and with one another and deepening our understanding of God's love for us. Come on this journey. Let me show you this excellent way, this way of agape love, of sacrificial love. Let me show you what love looks like. He gives a verbal picture, says Stan Mass. A picture focusing on the verbs. God reveals what love does, not what it feels like. What it does. Love is patient. Does not mean love waits for things to turn out. It means love is patient with people who have hurt us. Who may need that love in a special way. Not just patient. But love is also kind. Love doesn't just put up with hurtful people. It actually is kind to them and loves them into being a different way by showing this path of love. Love does not envy, boast. It is not proud. Envy resents what another has or is. Boasting, touting about yourself, what you, what you, what you love, who you are, what you have, and, and, and who you are. The word here is proud, is fusiotai. And it comes from the same word as blowing and puffing and inflating. Love does not go around with an inflated sense of self. Love is not easily angered. Yes, we're called to have righteous anger as Jesus did in the temple with the money changers, with the self-righteous religious leaders who missed the point of scripture. We are called to respond when, the, when we, what God has intended has been ruined. But we're also called to take our time to listen, to hear what's going on with the other. Love is not irritable or touchy or explosive ready to fight in a moment's notice. The church is to act differently than the world around it. Who are we called to be? It says that love never fails. When we see God face to face, we will understand this all completely. But God reveals this to us step by step, moment by moment, experience by experience. We are growing. We're called to mature in our faith, in our journey of love. We're called step by step to grow. It says that you could look in a polished mirror, a metal mirror, and you couldn't see quite clearly but then, when we come to see God face to face, we will know even as we have been fully known. This is a call to humility, a call to love in, with incarnate love, just as Jesus loved. Let me show you, says Jesus, this is the way to live. This is the way to love. Love is patient, kind, shows kindness, is active, is active helping one another, helping our brothers and our sisters in the church as well as we go in our witness outside the church. And there are three central values of the church, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is? Thank you. If you go out without any other word, please go out with the word love. As I said last last week when we were talking about about John when he was with the church he kept talking about love every week he would talk about love and they say oh here comes brother John I bet he's going to preach about love again 
And he said, yes, I'm going to preach about love again because you're still not there yet. So that is an important part of this word. Faith will become sight. Hope will end in fulfillment. Love will remain and will not fail, will not fall. We're drawn into the love of God and then remade by that love. We are fully known and God loves us even with our flaws and desires to love us into whom we may become. We're called to have that kind of love too, to accept each other as we are and to seek to grow together in a new way, in the way that God would have us to live in the world. But then, there they were in Corinth, and even today, we have to deal with the visions. What do we do with that? So often we talk about the sides, this versus that, rather than the whole spectrum between where we are. There was a wonderful sermon by, by Caroline Lewis, Love Never Ends. And she's talking about a relationship between the folks in the Holy Land as they were talking about dealing with the pain of division there. If we choose which side we are on, and then just to make ourselves feel better or justified about our decision, we proceed to suspect, to suspect demonize, and tear down the other side, says Elias Shakur, the Archbishop Emeritus of the Melkite Catholic Church of Akal, Haifa, Nazareth, and all of Galilee. And he was talking about the way of love in the midst of such grief and division. And as he is speaking towards reconciliation between Jews and Arabs, he says the one who is wrong is the one who says, I'm right. As we look to how we are together in the life of the church, in our life. How do we come together and, and realize that we are more alike than we are different? Our blood is the same color. Our tears are just as bitter, said both the Jewish and Arab people. What is at stake for all was peace. And this is the gospel. Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ is our peace. He is our one who shows us the way to love. No matter where we go or who we are, there is and will be disagreement and division among us. The answer is not to cease, to erase it, to pretend it doesn't exist, or think it will eventually go away, but to embrace more fully how we live into it, among it, and with it in love. Because God is love. There's a great story about a Sunday school teacher who was teaching about God's love. Her name was Clara Burr. She did an awful lot of listening to us, this, this, this person says, as he's reflecting on his Sunday school teacher. And she, he remembers on one Sunday that they were reading their King James version of the Bible that they had in Sunday school class. And it was the red letter edition where it was marked clearly the words that Jesus had to say. And one of the erudite, he says, in our class raised his hand and said, Miss Burr, why is it that if, if Jesus is so important, there aren't many red letters in this Bible? Well, we thought to ourselves, this guy's got a good point. Yay. 
It's our side one, Sunday school teacher, zero. Right? And Clara had a bit of a pause, as she often did. And then she said, well, Dale, I guess it's probably because Jesus listened a lot more than he talked. Wow. What if we listened to just the red letter words? Ha! Huh? Pretty amazing. Our life would be so much more reflective of God's love. How are the ways that we share what love is and what love is not? Among the characteristics of love presented in 1 Corinthians 13, which one enlightens you concerning a question you have right now in your life in relationship with others? Is there one of those verses or more than one of those verses that's really speaking to you about how you need to work in your life on relationships with others? What changes when we see life with others as a journey where we learn how to love? A journey. We're on a journey. We are companions on the journey. That means we share bread, companies. We share bread with one another at this table on this journey of faith together. I want to share one more story before we come to the table because it says something about who we are in this place. Early on, Betty Fillingham came and she said, you know, I can't stay for all of the service. I said, well, why don't you come in for communion? So she came here to the altar and guess who was here with me? Gabriel Jackson. So Gabriel and I served Miss Betty communion. And we explained, remembering the story about how Jesus was his, with his disciples in the upper room. And after that meal, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body. And Betty said, oh, yes, I remember the story. I love that story. And it gives me strength for my life. And there's Gabriel just kind of listening in. And then we took the cup, and we remember that Jesus said thanks to God for this cup. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink this in remembrance of me. And she says, oh, I remember. And I know that this is going to make a difference in my life this week. Betty says this, and Gabriel's just quietly standing there as a witness to this. And she said, and I reach out my hand because I get lonely. And I know he's got my hand. And he's there with me. And I said, and he's there with you, sustaining you with this holy communion and our love for each other. Rise and go in peace to love. Amen. So I invite you to